0: My name is Jeff Power. A few years back, my late father Barney and I purchased a set of items at auction related to a man named Thomas McKeever. He was a first cousin of my maternal grandmother and had been killed during the War of Independence. Among the items we bought were an Irish volunteer membership card, a letter from a local IRA commandant, and an old photograph of Thomas's grave. before my father died he researched more about Thomas I popped round to see my mother who was soon well flabbergasted
1: Gosh you're bringing back memories now that I had um, long forgotten Um, but happily
0: Can you read what Barney wrote about he calls him Tommy
1: A chemist in um, Dunmore County Galway Um what's that? Killcock, is it? Killed. Okay, oh gosh. Black and tans, he says. Yeah.
0: Can you make out the last No, can't read that. Can you read that? I can.
1: No, what's that?
0: Tarred and feathered.
1: Oh my god.
0: My father knew Thomas had died violently.
1: Genie
0: and assumed it was this form of punishment and public humiliation, which dates back to pre Renaissance times hot tar smeared on the body, and feathers thrown on.
1: That's scary, isn't it? Did that happen often?
0: It was towards the end of the War of Independence, or the the Tan War, I think, as it was often called. Between 1919 and 1921, as the authority of the British was undermined in Ireland, political resistance was accompanied by a guerrilla war fought against the Crown forces. The response from London was more troops and an auxiliary force known as the Black and Tans to combat the flying columns of the IRA.
2: It's just kind of inexplicable in the terms of the context in Galway. That's historian Cormac O'Curry. For a guy who wasn't a prominent or active Republican to be subjected to the death that he did is very unusual.
0: Thomas McKeever's death In Dunmore, County Galway happened on the morning of May the 20th, 1921, seven weeks before the War of Independence came to an end. His death has never been fully explained and there are two versions of what happened immediately afterwards. You know, he wasn't forgotten. But his loss was felt most deeply by the woman he loved. She never recovered. Deep down you don't recover for things like that. Thomas was born in 1884 and grew up in the coastal town of Kinsale in County Cork. Thomas's father was
3: a RIC man. This is Jimmy Macken. He was stationed in Kinsale.
0: Now 103, Jimmy was just a wee boy when Thomas was killed in 1921.
3: I, I was born on the 25th of March, 1916. It's time to get sort of me.
0: <laughs> like me, Jimmy is related to the McKeevers. He's recalling Thomas's mother,
3: Mary. He, he met her in, in Kinsale anyway. They were married. She was dressmaking at the time. The whole lot of them were brought up there in Kinsale.
0: Jimmy witnessed the War of Independence as a child. Although it's almost 100 years ago, he has strong images of those days.
3: Well, I remember the black and tans and that kind of thing, yeah. sent for Bernie. Bernie was another brother of mine. We are going to school, we were down near the town going to school one morning and tans passed, passing out the Dublin road in lorries and we counted 60 lorries. <laughs> Actually I think they must be going away, leaving the country at the time.
0: They were leaving the Athlone barracks just months after Thomas McKeever had been killed. Thomas was well educated and qualified as a chemist. He was in his mid-thirties when the War of Independence broke out in 1919. Although his father was a policeman, a member of the RIC, Thomas had joined the Irish Volunteers in 1914. In fact, one of the items we bought at auction was his ogley Heron registration card, cobalt blue cover about the size of an old paper driver's licence, confirming his republican sympathies. My mother remembers Thomas's sisters but their brother was never mentioned.
1: I had met two of his sisters, Bridie and Babe. One was um, a nurse and working in the States and the other, Babe, was a chemist next door to where um, the mother had a little shop.
0: A a chemist like uh, Thomas had been?
1: Yeah, and she was married and living there. I think her husband was a fisherman.
0: And they never once mentioned their eldest brother, Thomas?
1: Never, never. I never knew the man existed, and neither did my mother. And she would have been very close to this family as well. She loved these cousins, always talked about them, but never talked about Thomas.
0: It was a long time before the family did speak about him.
3: Couldn't be good many year after before I was told anything about it altogether. This is Jimmy Mackin. They didn't talk them evidently that time. I never heard my mother saying anything much about it. Now you see.
0: In October 1920, Thomas had moved from Kinsale to Dunmore to start work at Frederick Stafford's Chemist. Like much of Ireland at that time, a virulent and hostile climate prevailed
2: in Galway. In the summer of 1920, you see Republican violence escalating and increasing in Galway. Historian Cormac O'Corry, But you also begin to see a massive backlash from the Crown forces. In the winter of 1920-21, 20, the, the IRA in many areas sort of collapsed. It's it's whittled down to a hard core and their supporters who are active. Now, this doesn't mean the rep- support for the Republic is diminished, and that was understood by the Crown Forces. But at the same time, it meant that the Crown Forces could travel and behave in, as they wanted in, in Galway. Soon after moving to Dunmore, Thomas
0: McKeever fell in love with a local woman, Tess Murray. She was a wonderful woman. Tess went on to marry and have children after Thomas was killed. She was a teacher. This is Tess's daughter, Louis. She trained in Caresford in Dublin. She had a lovely voice. He was supposed to be have been a good singer too?
4: Yeah, he used to sing duets, you know.
0: He was a little bit older than your mother, he is was. that right? He was.
4: He was about ten years older. He was mature. He was a well-dressed man. They used to go to mass, eight o'clock mass in the church and meet there in the morning. And he'd he'd go up the the town, as we used to say, and open up the shop. And she'd get on her bike and she'd go out two miles out the road to uh, open up the school that she was teaching in. And he was in the shop during the day and then afterwards he'd come down to where she lived with her mother and they'd go for a walk after tea they were a very happy couple
0: Their romance was serious by early 1921 Thomas and Tess were engaged to be married only months after meeting and they
4: went to Dublin to buy the ring and this you'll be very interested in
0: Louis searches for something in an old envelope.
4: There you are. It's a solitaire. They bought it in weirs of grafton Street. And there was great celebration back home when they arrived. It's a gold band. Uh, it, it's got, is it four small diamonds, I That's think? That's
0: Tessa's granddaughter, um, Louis' daughter, Tessa.
4: get set in a row. And it's a very delicate looking ring, quite small. Her fingers were obviously quite small too.
0: How does it make you feel to to have it on your finger?
4: It's very hard to describe my feeling. I feel a kinship with them.
0: At the time Thomas and Tess returned from Dublin with their engagement ring, Comer Kokori says the War of Independence was taking another turn in East Galway.
2: By the spring of 1921, Irish activity increases again. There's less Crown Force violence. Now, whether that's a question of increasing discipline or that the Crown Forces themselves have become intimidated and are afraid to travel out, even in large numbers, we never know.
0: As a result, a curfew was in operation in Dunmore no civilians were allowed on the streets between 8 pm and 4 am.
5: We're here in Castle Street, Dunmore.
0: Thomas was living in lodgings.
5: Now, this in here to the left is uh, Len Cole. That's Tess's son, Brian. That was the building, be called it a guest house as such, and he was staying there.
0: The couple had a routine they followed to ensure that each was safe during those troubled times.
5: He could wave a hanky out from the window of his room at the back of the house. And over on the far side of the town, across the river, our garden at the back, it was high up. My mother would be, go up there to see, and he'd wave the handkerchief, and she saw it, and he was in. She knew that he was safe.
0: Thomas and Tess went through this same routine on the evening of the 19th of May, 1921.
5: There was curfew on at the time, and they would be able making the most of the time that they had. There might be a bit, maybe a couple of minutes over and above, but she was happy that he was safe that night.
0: Even now... Almost a century later, Tess's son, Brian, finds it hard to describe the events that followed. The Moss McKeever was
5: taken out in the middle of the night and tied down to the back of a lorry and dragged out on the gravel road for about a mile and a half and put up against a wall and shot.
0: He was dead before he was shot. Jim Nestor's grandfather was staying at the same boarding house that night.
6: My grandfather must have witnessed it, but he was reluctant to speak about these things. He was in the house at the time, you know, because I'm sure there was a terrible commotion. And they unceremoniously dragged him out of bed, and they weren't polite people. They usually made plenty of noise, and most of the time, they were high. They were high in alcohol.
0: Thomas wasn't tarred and feathered, as my father believed. But his death is distinguished by the gruesome and spiteful nature of his execution.
2: Even in, in a county like Galway, where there were significant numbers of killings, significant numbers of atrocities, the nature of the death of Thomas McKeever stands out. The sheer violence inflicted upon him in his last moments, in his last hours, the lack of a clear motive, why he was a target, make the death of Thomas McKeever a case that stands out and that horrifies to this day.
0: There is no disputing that Thomas was abducted and killed that night, but who did it and why? The first official version of the killing came from a military inquiry held instead of an inquest by the Crown forces in Tewham on the day after his death. Almost all the official records, newspapers and intelligence reports refer back to this.
7: Historian Podrick Rourke says these inquiries were not all they seemed. These inquiries, it's not like we would have today where you have a civilian judge and you have, you know, uh, members, your peery members of the public coming in. The inquiry is totally held by, it's presided over by three British officers. All the witnesses coming in are their comrades-in-arms in the RIC, and they're not asked for taxing taxing questions. So there's any number of things in these British inquiries that are really doubtful. And again, it's like, you know, security forces tend to be very conservative, and when they're under pressure... Uh, They start breaking the rules, discipline goes out the window and none of them want to be sent down for it. They would all cover up for each other and certainly that happened to a very large extent in the War of Independence. The official
0: version is not the only one, however, and it might not stand up under closer examination. The National Archives in London sent me a copy of the official inquiry. It states that a witness who'd been
8: sleeping in the same room as Thomas, in a separate bed, was woken at 2am to see three men around McKeever's bed, one of whom was wearing motor goggles. They were dressed in civilian clothes and one of them carried a flashlight. They said, come on, get up. McKeever wanted to know why, but they simply pulled off his bedclothes.
0: That witness has never been fully identified and some of that last sentence has been scribbled out and rephrased. The witness is then supposed to have told
8: the inquiry that Thomas was taken out of the house And he heard shots fired about 15 minutes afterwards and did not see McKeever again until he discovered his dead body lying on the roadside about 8.30am. The inquiry then states how it was the police, the RIC, who found Thomas's body. Which was lying on its side with the hands crossed on the road at Clonine. A piece of cardboard with the words convicted spy, traitors beware, executed by order of IRA was tied to the body. The witness and the police both agreed that... The deceased had no enemies in the area. Medical evidence was given to the effect that the deceased had ten separate bullet wounds distributed over the jaw, right eyebrow and in the region of the loin. The skull was fractured on the left side. The Court of Inquiry found that Thomas was... ...willfully murdered by some person or persons unknown. A
0: statement that claims he was shot as a spy by the IRA. But locals in Dunmore tell a very different version of events.
5: This is Castle, Castle Farham. That's the name of the
0: uh, village. And this is where he was shot. I'm at the location where Thomas's body was found, less than a mile outside town. I'm with Tess's son, Brian.
5: The road goes to Garrafrand and then on to Ballandine and on to Clémars. There's a memorial marking this spot. There's a stone erected on the side of the road where he was shot and where his body was left. Just people have done more than erected. Why do you think? Mother well, respected respect so much.
0: This is the place where Tess's dream of a life with Thomas came to an end. Did you, did you ever walk around along here with your mother?
5: No, no, never. I, I don't think I ever saw my mother coming out of the road.
9: Well, my father was born and raised just up there where those trees are.
0: Also with me at the place he was killed is Mary O'Dowd.
9: Just there at the top of the little hill, about a couple hundred yards.
0: Locals I've spoken to say his body could not have been found by the authorities the next day.
9: And he heard the truck coming out and he heard the shouting.
0: Because it simply wasn't there.
9: My father was very nosy, I think. Now when I think back. But anyway, he was 19 at the time. He came along all inside the wall there. There was no houses here. And he came as far as here. And he had a um, carbide light. And he shone it and he saw him. He was stripped to the waist. And he was sitting up and he had a, he had a plaque on him with a string around it saying, I'm a traitor. My father knew just the black and tans because was of the lorry. And he said they must have been drunk or something because they were shouting and roaring. But he was tied to the lorry, face down on the road.
0: How does he know that?
9: The way he's... His face, his head was all disfigured.
0: And you say the lorry confirmed that it would have been...
9: Daddy saw it passing, the lorry passing. He continued on there and he went to Joe Tracy, which was his friend over the road, and the two of them stole the body... The ropes were, or whatever they tied in with, was thrown there.
0: And would anybody, could anybody else have been driving a lorry?
9: No, because those, in those years there was no lorries out here, or no cars and no There might be one or two.
0: Mary explains the huge risk her father, Sampy Gill, took during that night under curfew when he discovered the body and moved it.
9: The night it happened, they carried him as he was. I don't know how they carried him, there was a mill here at that stage, Mannion's Mill. They brought him up here and they put him into a, an old derelict barn.
0: So if the body had been removed that night by Mary's father, how could an inquiry have been held into his death? But he was dead. And early that morning, the news reached Tess. They used to meet at Mass. Tess's daughter, Louis. It's the
4: morning after he was killed, coming out from Mass... She knew that something had happened, and she met Martin Graney, that lived opposite us, and he, say, he came over to sympathise with her and tell her that, that he was dead and that he had been killed during the night.
5: Mr Graney, he hadn't much cap on, as we'd say now. I said, you hear the news? At, uh, at the most point, he was hanged on in quarters.
0: Dunmore was rife with rumour about how Thomas was killed. And at the moment Tess heard the news of her fiancé's death, an extraordinary thing happened.
5: When she got the news, she lost her hearing straight away. It was just a shock that she got
0: first. She was very low to talk
5: anything about that, Yeah. yeah.
0: The effect of this news on Tess's hearing would remain with her for the rest of her life. The days after Thomas's death were confusing. Not only who killed him, but where did the body go? Was there a funeral or just a secret burial? In those intriguing daylight hours, we can't be sure who was informed and what decisions were made. They couldn't openly bring the body to the church, but it seems they managed to give Thomas a Christian burial, despite the risks.
9: The following night, they dug the grave and they came back and brought him. They... Continued on from here, across the river. yeah. And they had brought him on a sheet of galvanise. And they made four holes in the sheets of galvanised, and tied it with ropes. One of them went one side and threw the ropes across. But they brought him to the graveyard and they buried him by an edge. The other set across the town. They would have carried him that far? They would. It could be two or three miles, I don't know.
0: Tess's son, Brian, says the only other people at the burial in those early hours were Tess and the local priest, Dean Macken.
5: remember her telling me, and this is a long time after, the only ones that went to the funeral were herself and the priest.
9: Because I remember Daddy said he didn't go to bed at all that night because they worked overnight. He went straight into work the next morning because he was a trainee baker. He could have been shot, the two of them could have been shot if they found out who did it. I used to have nightmares about it when, when he used to tell us first when we were young to think the thing that was when they tied him face down to the road.
0: Such was the confusion at that time that newspaper reports had suggested the body was taken to Kinsale. The Dunmore Parish Register contains details, in Latin, of the burial, but that entry wasn't made until the 22nd of May.
8: Corpus Dei. As Tess Murray began the process
0: of grieving her loss, the question remained. Why had Thomas been singled out for such a gruesome death? Jimmy Mackin, five years old when Thomas was murdered, provides some insight into those last few hours.
3: Earlier in the evening, when the Black and Tans were coming through the town or wherever it was, he was out in the streets. It must be in front of the hotel or somewhere nearby. He was shouting at the Black and Tans to get out of the country. That's why they come after him. I don't know, no, 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 no.
0: Thomas was reported to have been a member of Conran de Galga around this time and a keen Irish language enthusiast.
3: He was a, 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 an ardent patriot. <laughs> no, he, he wouldn't be sure. He, he, could, he could have done that, you know, couldn't he? Huh? Mm. Historian Pórdraig
0: O'Rourke understands how Thomas could have become a target.
7: You have to remember that the majority of the the British forces, and in particular guys like the Black and Tans and the Auxiliaries, who were involved in a lot of these revenge killings, would have been through the First World War, were shell-shocked, their nerves were already at them, but they were used from that conflict of knowing where the enemy was, the enemy had a uniform. But here, even going down to the local pub for a drink and try and relax, you know, they were worried, is the pub door going to open any second and we'll be uh, assassinated? Tessa's family had a Republican
5: background. My mother herself, before she met Thomas McKeever, she had a brother. He was the first person that was shot outside the
7: GPO. Could that have been why Thomas was singled out? It's clear that McKeever is, is, is a Republican and um, there has been a, an allegation that the spy label that was placed on McKeever's body was uh, one that had been used by the IRA themselves in the shooting of a genuine suspected spy informer, Thomas Hannan, or else that it was a label with the same wording. And what that would have been doing, if, if that is true, is the British sending a message to those in the know in the IRA who deal with intelligence matters saying, you shot one of ours, we've got one of yours back. And it's sending a, a kind of coded message uh, just to those people who would have been involved.
0: Another theory is that Thomas' death could have been a form of punishment against Tess.
5: I remember hearing that there was some black and tan at the, the time, that it is I and my mother. But I would say that was only talk.
0: Tess not only had to live with the loss of her sweetheart, Thomas, she also had to live with the black and tans passing her door. She had to sleep under the window,
5: directly underneath the window, because there was a fire shots in through the window, the black and tans.
0: As well as her grief, Tess struggled with her hearing for the rest of her life. She was
4: quite deaf after that. and She was wearing weary hearing aid. And they were awkward, big things at the time. She used to go to Dublin to get them fixed and to be shown how to use them.
5: The hearing aids at that time were terrible. She had big, big batteries, so almost like car batteries, on her bosom. She had to get those from Dublin. I remember my father going gone up to Dublin to get the batteries. What's the name of the shop? I forget, but we knew it well. <laughs> they weren't the thing that people... Were used that time, but she had to have it for school, you know.
0: Can a trauma like this really induce a profound loss of hearing? Could it be a symptom of post traumatic stress disorder? Dr. Matthew McCauley
10: is a specialist in PTSD. It is unusual and in my clinical experience it would be rather rare uh, to see this. I was fascinated actually to hear this case and uh, it raised a number of interesting possible explanations of what might have occurred. Uh, Most people who are exposed to situations that bring them into contact with death or harm or witnessing that in others will experience some symptoms of what we entitle post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Uh, These symptoms can include shock, confusion, fear and anxiety, of course. Also, uh, we could say physiological symptoms. For many individuals, uh, this will resolve in a number of days. Assuming that there is no form of acoustic trauma in the individual or or an infection, we might consider a psychological explanation for the uh, symptoms this lady perhaps may have internalized and dissociated at the time of the event. The circumstances that she subsequently encountered may have uh, led her to experience a block and a hurdle in her ability to process the grief. So it does seem
0: possible that Tess's hearing difficulties could have been a reaction to the loss of her fiancé. In 1922, the Black and Tans finally left Ireland, but Tess remained traumatised. She never forgot it.
5: It was always in her mind. I suppose it was a, such a horrible thing to happen to anyone, you know.
4: It shouldn't have happened.
0: This is Tess's daughter, Louis.
4: An, an absolute tragedy. And the way he died doesn't bear thinking of.
0: But Tess did move on with her life after Thomas. She married Louis and Brian's father, Sean Mahan, and had eight children. Tess married Sean less than a year after Thomas's death. But she wouldn't accept another engagement ring.
4: Grandma wouldn't accept an engagement ring from your father.
0: That's Tessa's granddaughter, Tessa. That's right. Yes, so she only
4: ever had that engagement ring, which she didn't wear. It would be unlucky to to have another engagement ring and so wouldn't accept one from your dad. That's right. He wanted to give her one.
0: But occasionally, she used to wear that. Was, was your, your father, was he a rival for your, your mother's affections? He was.
4: He fell for her and she just passed by him. So the minute my father heard about his untimely death, he got on his bike and he came from Williamstown to the her school to sympathise with her and after that he took over. He was her confidant. we got married later on and I'm a product of this alliance and they were very much in love. Yeah.
0: Tess and Sean Mahan were teachers, and one of their pupils was Jim Nestor, the grandson of the man who was there on the night Thomas was abducted.
6: She taught me in the late 40s, early 50s. She was a real lady, kind of laid back and, you know, and a great teacher, I might add. But she was very good in the classroom. She had a great way with her, you know. There was one hearing aid. We could notice that in the year. We absorbed her classes and... And uh, at the end, uh, she was at the blackboard. The people down at the back—you know, the usual thing kids do at school and all the rest—but she'd nearly know it. She'd nearly call out the person who was speaking. So we loved her quite honestly as a teacher. And Sean was a doer altogether. He'd lose the rag in all time, but in a fairly harmless way, you know. We never heard Mrs. Mahan raise her voice at all. She was very musical. She could sing herself, you know, and had a good, a good ear for music. You know?
0: Her students were aware of the tragic loss Tess had suffered.
6: I certainly knew when we were in school, that it was common knowledge, you know, that there were sweethearts and engaged, and that she suffered this awful loss, you know. But when we heard the story, we were appalled by it. Like, you
0: know. While the story of Thomas McKeever's murder was known, it was something that Tess didn't speak about for a very long time. She would
5: never talk about it, until after my father died in 1955.
0: The garden of their family home overlooked Glencoe House, the spot where Thomas and Tess had waved to each other in their courting days and from where Thomas was taken.
5: When we were kids, we always had to do the garden and we had to sow potatoes, cabbage, parsnips, carrots. We were always up in the bloody garden. <laughs> but uh, there were steps up to it. It was about ten foot above the back of the house. But you never found her looking, standing there looking across? no. No, I never saw him again now that I think it was, yeah, yeah.
0: Her feelings about his death were clearly unresolved, and to this day the murder of Thomas McKeever remains a perplexing case. Was he shot as a spy, mistaken for someone else, or was it because he had Republican sympathies? The information from the authorities at the time was, at the very least, unreliable.
7: The British carried out uh, an official inquest. Historian Podrick O'Rourke. Supposedly, his body was examined as part of this inquest in the local RAC barracks. But bear in mind with the British inquiries that their main purpose is to whitewash themselves and exonerate themselves. I mean, years before widgery or the Savile inquiries into Bloody Sunday, the British Army was already very good at covering up its tracks.
0: But if the body had been removed immediately after his murder, it would suggest the only way the military knew the details of his death were if they had carried it out themselves.
7: There seems to be no possibility that he was killed by anyone uh, but the British.
0: Remember, the news of Thomas's death was accompanied by the suggestion that he was a spy, and that was the official word from the military inquiry. He was killed as a reprisal
5: and to pretend that he was uh, handing over information to the British when he wasn't.
7: Again, this whole tactic of putting a false spy label on is is done to cause confusion. In many cases, the um, British forces had free range. There was very little likelihood that they would be brought to account um, by, obviously, the authorities, who were also the British forces, their own comrades, if they were involved in uh, in killings.
0: Mary O'Dowd, whose father had hidden the body on the night of the killing, rejects the notion that Thomas was a spy. And you say that your father believes he wasn't a spy. Oh, no, 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 no. no, Why? How can you be certain?
9: Well, I only know what I was told, but Daddy said he wasn't a spy.
0: He didn't give any reason?
9: No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And I don't believe he was. I never knew the man. Daddy knew him very well because Daddy was a baker in Dunmore and he was a chemist.
0: A more likely explanation is that Thomas was shot for his political affiliations.
7: Podrick O'Rourke suggests this would have made him a target. So what would happen typically is the IRA would come into an area, they would launch an ambush or attack in British forces, they would disappear and the British not being able to strike back at them directly would often try and pick on IRA men who would not have been involved but who were kind of lower down the importance in the IRA or they would pick Sinn Féin supporters or the families of IRA members and sometimes they would arrest them and then shoot them dead and claim, oh he tried to jump off the back our lorry and escape so shot while trying to escape was a very common british explanation that got them off the hook but in some cases as well the british forces would actually abduct suspected republicans or sympathizers and they would uh, shoot them and dump their body way out in the countryside or occasionally even hide these bodies bury them in bogs and when they were questioned about it then the british would simply say oh we have no involvement in this and quite often they would try and hint that, well, we know there's a feud going on in the IRA, so maybe the Republicans shot him.
0: Almost immediately after the murder, a local IRA commander wrote a letter to the parish priest, Dean Macken.
9: Tommy Mannion gave £5 pounds for a mass to be said for him.
0: But there was nobody.
9: There was nobody, no, because he was buried at that stage.
0: Another of the items my father and I purchased at auction was a report written by Tommy Mannion confirming all of this.
8: Oglina heron headquarters, number four brigade, 2nd Western Division. Report on the murder of Thomas McKeever. His untimely end was deeply regretted in Dunmore, it being well known there that he was murdered by Crown forces. He was well known by the local IRA and was one of their most ardent supporters. I, as brigade commandant of that area at the time, endeavoured to have a statement of the real circumstances of his death published through the press, but at that time, it was impossible. However, £5 was sent to Dean Mackin to have mass celebrated for his soul by the local IRA and a letter which was read off the altar stating that he was shot by Crown forces.
0: This contribution towards the mass would seem to confirm, if there was any doubt, that Thomas was a Republican supporter and was not a spy.
7: The Republicans themselves knew, look, this guy was one of ours, we didn't shoot him. The only logical conclusion, you know, clearly he's been picked up and this is the British trying to mess with us.
6: They wanted to to intimidate and scare the local population, that they'd get filled up with Tommy Mannion and all these people, like, you know. The more more atrocities committed by the Black and Tans, by the Crown forces, the more the people turned against them, you know.
0: If the British forces were the only possible suspects in this murder, is it possible to know who the perpetrators were? There are a number of names known to the locals in Dunmore.
9: Yeah, Robinson is one, and there was two others. Dobson and Roy and Robinson was a small little fat fella and he was the most dangerous of them all. Now, how fat he was or how small he was, I do not know, but the others must be, I don't know what height they were, but that was... Who told you that? Daddy?
6: Dobson and Roy, they're the guys. Oh, this was a story talked about when I was a young fella, you know, they're the names that come back to me, you know, they are indeed.
7: I put this information to historian Pádraig O'Rourke. Well, I've looked through the RIC register which lists all the men from Britain and from Ireland who joined the Black and Tans, because there were Irish Black and Tans as well. And the only one who seems to fit the right time period, the right county, is a guy called Robert Roy. Now, he's a Protestant uh, from England and he joined the RIC, or the Black and Tans, in September of 1920. And he was stationed in Galway and he remained with the force right up until the truce was, um, uh, came into effect and the RIC was disbanded. Um, now, the problem is we can't seem to get much more details on Robert Roy than that. The name matches, but it may not be the same person.
0: It's a busy road.
7: It's an awesome busy road. This is the main. Well, this is the Dunmore
0: Tomb road. In death, too, Thomas and Tess remain close.
5: We're at the cemetery in Dunmore. Just about a mile, the tomb said i done more. And this is the cemetery where Thomas is buried and where my mother is buried, a little over a mile out to the bridge where he was shot. For them to have buried the body here, that would have been a huge effort on their part. It
0: would be. Hard
5: to even imagine it, because they were only young, two young people.
0: Thomas's family came from Kinsale and put a headstone up some time after he died, but for years the grave remained unnoticed and untended until Brian went looking for it. When did you first see the grave, or how did you come upon it? Two years ago.
5: First time I saw it. See the white headstone down there?
0: The, the one here to the left?
5: To the left. You See the white, the white headstone down there? Come on, we'll go down to it here.
0: It's made of marble by the looks of things, isn't it?
7: Yeah, it
5: looks like it's, it's very, very white. Yeah, it is marble, yeah.
0: I'm at the location of the photograph the final item that my late father and I bought at auction.
5: In loving memory of Thomas McIver, who was shot by English forces 20th of May 1921, aged 37 years, RIP, erected by his mother, sisters and brothers. So now I'll show you where my mother was buried up here. It's almost directly down from it. Now it's just straight down, about 30
0: yards. Almost a direct line. Direct line, yeah, it's amazing, yeah. It's quite a large cemetery, there must be six, seven acres, and yet they're within less than a stone's throw from each other.
5: That's right, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah.
0: And when you were here in 1974 for your mother's burial, mm. you didn't know that he was buried here at all?
5: No, 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 no. I, I remember hearing at the time that he was um, buried here temporarily, and I always thought that he was buried down in concealed. But like that, there was little talk about anything. He didn't discuss it.
4: So well, that's it. I think afterwards, they were quite ashamed in Dunmore that such a thing had happened. They felt that it shouldn't have happened. That's the feeling that we we had, that this man who was engaged to, to, to Mammy, Mummy was taken out and shot.
0: My own father died in October 2016. He would have been pleased that the items we purchased at auction helped to shed some light on this dark story of Thomas and Tess and their undying love.
4: I think she felt it deeply. They could have had a lovely life. The the whole future was theirs.